or Core. You are listening to Core, a show on Code Zero Radio that plays bands located in the Fox Cities. A show to find and discover new music. Hosted by Andy McNamara. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fox City's Core here on WCZR Code Zero Radio. If this is your first time tuning in, Code Zero Radio, every Saturday we go live for uh, <laughs> Fox City's Core, where we get a great band from the Fox Cities in, and we do a live and interactive show. The interactive part is where we need you. If you've got a question for the band, feel free to leave it in the, the comments of the videos that are streaming on Code Zero Radio's Facebook page. We're also streaming on the Fox City's Core YouTube page. You can also call us directly at 920-358-0795. And again, 920-358-0795. want to quickly plug, if you're interested in Code Zero Radio shirts, I've got one on today. You can get them by going to live.codezeroradio.com. Lots of different styles, lots of different designs. And we thank everybody that bought shirts already. Uh, some of the, the money goes to, of course, the company making them. Some goes to support local artists. And then some goes to support the station. So it's much appreciated. My next band I have on the show, they're an indie band from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Their music's danceable, teases elements of disco, psychedelia. I hear some blues in there. While maintaining its rock and roll spirit, I'd like to welcome Tony and Sam from the band Horace Green. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you? Great. And thanks for thanks for doing this. Uh, I know you guys had a lot going on, and that we only have an hour to cover it, so hopefully we can, can get through everything. <laughs> yeah, man. But um, let's quickly, if you could, uh, let everybody know your name and, and what you do in the band. Uh, my name is Tony. I play the guitar and sing. My name is Sam. I play bass and sing background vocals. And Horace Green, when when did the band officially start? Mm. Um, well, we've been playing music together since high school. We met in early high school and kind of hit it off there. And we were in a couple different projects. And then, um, what was it, like 2015, I think? End of 2015? It's like somewhere around there, yeah. We... Um, started with our drummer mitch and um had we named the band at that point at all i don't think Mm -mm. um so so that was kind of where it was born and then uh yeah from there went through a couple lineup changes and here we are was was horace green that what became horace green that was your first project your first band project ever did you have something going on before that other ones we had like me and sam went through like dozens of different like friends and craigslist people and just tried to form a band for like five years not <laughs> but, a craigslist <laughs> but you know how it is it's like people come and go and finally horace green just stuck i guess mm-hmm. are you guys both from oshkosh no we're from nina nina okay are you currently in nina too we live in oshkosh now okay but yeah and so i know that you guys have had some different drummers through your span of the band. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But you guys have been the, the consistent elements of the yeah. the band. Mm-hmm. We, Sam and I, are definitely like the core, like the whole heart and soul of it. Mm-hmm. 
Not that uh, Stinny isn't the heart and soul too, but we're we're definitely like the guys that have been the driving force. Mm-hmm. So when you're growing up in Nina, what uh, what music were you into at that point? And did that help shape what Horace Green ended up playing, or were you listening to something that was totally different than than what you started playing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Uh, a lot of uh, like Red Hot Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters and those alternative rock bands, and um, I guess yeah, elements of their music could bleed into Horace Green and. I know you were listening to a lot of like the Black Keys and things like that, so yeah, can hear elements of their music, but uh, I'm sure they had an influence in some way. Yeah, it's hard to remember. What I like about Horace Green is you guys definitely sound different than a lot of the the other bands that are in the area. You do have like the elements of different styles, which is why I was curious what you're listening to because you do hear like a little disco in there. I think for the first time I heard of you guys, I, you guys were explained to me as a, a blues rock band. Mm-hmm. And then I, I saw you and I was like, well, they seem more kind of rocky disco sort of like, so I, that's interesting to hear that I guess the Chili Peppers are sort of the same way. I listen to a lot of the Bee Gees. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's where it comes from. <clears throat> so the, the first album you ended up, I, th- I think Tony, you pretty much recorded, produced, did everything for that that yeah. album yeah was that because it was more cost effective or because you were <clears throat> trying to learn about it or was it just um yes cost effective for sure <laughs> <laughs> most things we do are because they're cost effective um yeah um we did that with mitch and it was just the three of us we just did it in two days and in my parents living room when they were like gone, I don't, they went somewhere and we were like, all right, we got to sneak in and record the album. I remember the time crunch because it, it got to be like 2 a.m. and we had like one song left to do <laughs> yeah, yeah. that wasn't all the way finished. It and, wasn't even written. Yeah, you came to us with the idea and you're like, all right, here we go. One last, one last hurrah. And, yeah, I'm glad nobody said no because you definitely could have been like, what? No, we don't even know this song. <laughs> Was it recorded on a laptop or what did you use to record? Yeah, it was a pretty wacky setup it was just like um just like an eight channel interface like a focus right interface into this like seven year old laptop i had it was just like this old pc on pro tools like pro tools eight or something because i was too cheap to upgrade but yeah it uh that was it that was the whole signal chain it's it turned out really nice like i'd if I wouldn't have read, I wouldn't have known that that wasn't recorded at a studio. And we'll get into it a little bit later, but when when that album was recorded independently, you guys did the artwork and everything as well, or you knew somebody that knew how to do that? Yeah, we kind of all had ideas for the artwork, and Mitch, our drummer at the time, Mitch started the band with us, and he was with us probably like the longest, and then he was also a graphic designer, so he did like a lot of the engineering for the artwork for us, which was really nice. But I think for that album, we went to the store and just bought like a Neapolitan. A brick of ice cream. A, we bought a brick of it. <laughs> and we melted it yeah. and put it on the toilet. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> the magic of Photoshop. And then Mitch cut it out and like put a text on it. But so yeah, it was... 
self-recording you hadn't done any of that prior or did you record for other people before recording uh yeah i went to um actually i don't remember yeah in 2015 yeah i had done like a couple things for friends but like nothing crazy serious or anything but i went to college for that okay well that makes more sense <laughs> yeah well when you're recording yourself what's the hardest part to record is it the drums or is it yes drum sound always drums you did it in a living room yep yeah it, it turned out okay i mean could have been a lot worse we spent like 12 hours tuning a snare the whole first day i remember in the kitchen just tuning that snare and hitting it over and over <laughs> trying to get the <laughs> we sound we just ate right. salsa and tuned a snare for yeah. the whole first day and that that album title is, is i think pretty cool the early american ice cream is a title like you said there's a picture of a neapolitan mm-hmm uh, ice cream on the front. So where did the name come from? It's just so out there. Um, we were just like sitting in my bedroom, I think like at my parents' house. So we had moved out, but like all my old kids stuff was still there. And I think you found like this old Mad Libs book under the, (laughs) under the bed. And we were just like, it was so late and we were so tired. And you just found the word like, you found the phrase like yeah. Amer- early American ice cream or something in it. It had been written into like the Mad Lib from like ten years ago, probably. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, all right, that sounds good, <laughs> and that's it. And you had the uh, the master Justin Perkins master it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's the man. Yeah. So was that received pretty well when that came out? Whoever, I mean, of all the like ten people that received it, I think they liked it. <laughs> Like my parents and your parents. And yeah. People seem everybody. to be happy about it. Did, did that open up doors as far as getting shows in the area? Or at least like you had some credibility at that point. Yeah. I think once we had something physical to like show people, it made things easier, definitely. Yeah. It's nice to have like the thing. When you guys started playing out, which which venues were you, were you playing at to try to get your foot in the door? Reptile Palace. Reptile. Downtown Oshkosh, yeah. Over and over and over. <laughs> we did like a short branch saloon and then some of the downtown Appleton. We did Gibson Musical pretty soon after we released the album too. Yeah, Gibson Musical like really took a gamble on us, I think, and we were really appreciate it because we could have sucked and we didn't have anything on the internet and they were just like, Sure, come play and then it was yeah. I think we played there probably the most of any venue. Mm-hmm. How was the stage fright on those first, those first handful of shows? Pretty high, for um, me at least. It was pretty frightful, but we had been playing live with um, our other band before that, so it wasn't like too shocking. But it was, yeah. I mean, you know, you get comfortable after a while. So now when you're you're playing a show, there's no stage fright, or do you still have a little bit of that lingering nervousness? No. Not not definitely not as much. It depends on the show too, I guess. But depends um, on the show. Um kind of going out there in front of a new crowd, especially like if they're not if they're all just kind of sitting around far away from the stage, it's kinda awkward and you have to like warm the crowd up almost. I l- I like, kind of like the awkward shows because it's like, all right, this is already weird, so we probably won't make it worse. Yeah. Uh, I get nervous in like small groups. Like if it's me 
if it's like us playing like a little acoustic show in front of like 10 people i'm like oh god i see everyone's face <laughs> i see what everyone's thinking and then, silently judging yeah i go like play i could easily play like 10,000 people and be like okay whatever mm-hmm. how's your experience at mile of music this past year amazing great yeah it's Mile always fun is, uh, yeah we love it there and uh they're so welcoming and treat us so well and it's just cool seeing um seeing and meeting all the people from around the country and even the world too um and this year especially after like the pandemic and everything it's so nice to just be around everyone again and mm-hmm. be able to share in the live music it's fun it's like a little get together with all your friends like at this point Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure like you see a lot of people you know there too, and you just get to hang out, and yeah. everyone's there for a few days. Mm-hmm. We've definitely met a lot of our friends there. How was the 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 vibe? Was it kind of weird seeing everybody again? Oh, just like after the COVID stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was exciting to see everybody. Yeah, felt good for sure. What did you guys do during the kind of downtime of of COVID? Did you write, or did you just sort of step back and take a break you wrote a bunch of songs um yeah we no we didn't really the train didn't stop much we'd kept doing our thing like me and sam do a lot of uh just business stuff we call it but it's um just a lot of like sending emails and stalking people (laughs) and so we kept doing that every week but then yeah i finished writing the new album and then we built the studio too, which was probably we probably did that the most over the the break. We're definitely going to talk about the new stuff in a little bit, but we had a question come in, and it's it's a good one. It's <laughs> it's where did the name Horace Green come from? Oh yeah, you probably get, knew that one was coming eventually. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I unfortunately, don't have like an exciting answer to this, but it's. Uh, to me, it was just like, it meant nothing. That's why I liked it. I was trying to think of something that meant nothing. And it's also the um, like the prep school in School of Rock, which I didn't know at the time. Maybe like in the back of my brain, I knew that because I love that movie. But everyone was like, is that School of Rock? And I was like, I, I don't know. Maybe. It's cool if it is. We wanted an, I know you came to me and you're like, we want an old man's name. Yeah. And we were like thinking of a bunch of like catchy sounding old guy names and then i that one just kind of stuck yeah just like something that didn't mean anything so we could make it mean something kind of was the idea but it had a secret meaning yeah i like it could mean whatever you want it to mean really <laughs> i think uh horace green is a, a great old guy name <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you it's a little remnant like it's i say it's more old guy than like uh vic ferrari even okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so that's where the name came from and got the first album done mm-hmm. and then mitch did he stick around for the the, the next album was he on the second yeah. album okay so mitch yep. was on the second album and the the, the second album um well i want to make sure i don't miss anything was a hundred bones on the first album or was that that was the first album the yeah. first album okay well there's a lyric and I, I don't remember, like, I, I wrote it down, and you don't have to answer if you don't want, because sometimes lyrics are personal. <laughs> but the lyric that, that kind of caught my ear a couple months ago was, your mama said you better uh, cross your T's, not cross your eyes, 
And if you're running races, you better check that your shoes are tied, but you don't need to earn your money when you're busy taking bribes. Mm -hmm. So is that something based off an experience or just some cool wordplay that, that you put together? Um, it's just, uh, um, hundred bonds is, is sort of just a song like about like a political figure, like a political feeling, not anyone specific, but just like the, the air and the vibe around like a, a corrupt type of type of person. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't like, um, I don't mind the question at all, but like, I kind of like to let people come up with their own meanings for songs. Cause we get asked like all the time what a song is about. And I just feel like I'm ruining it for them. If I tell them like what I think it's about. Cause I mean, I, I'll hear a song and maybe I'll really like it. And then I'll read more about what it's actually about. And I'm like, Oh man, I was wrong. And then I feel like violated. So I just like to keep it vague and let leave it people, open. yeah, leave it open. So when you're writing, like, do you stress out over the, the lyrical content at all? Is, is that harder than getting <clears throat> the music written? Um, uh, mm. well, sometimes, um, yeah, I mean, I, I want to make sure the lyrics are like, they say the right thing and they're not too, um, I have this thing that I do in my head where I'm like, all right, is this lyric too inside jokey? Like, are people going to actually know what I'm saying? Because in your, in your own head, you know what you're saying and you know what you're trying to say. But when it actually like is heard by someone else, it might not come out the same. So I try to do like that test in my head. So I, I definitely go back and forth on lyrics and like tweak things and try to make sure it's like understandable. When you're writing, is it, do you normally have like a kind of a, a fake lyric melody? Are you able to write one of those rare people that can write with just writing music and not do the vocal melody with it right away? Um, I don't know. Um, I think it depends on what the, like the, the inspiration was and how it all like started sometimes like, there's definitely been a few Horace Green songs that just kind of like pooped right out and the brain was just like, bloop, here you go. And like, it's all right there. And then other ones like definitely take a little more time to, to sculpt. Um, I don't know. What, what do you mean by like the music? Like you mean like separate from the lyrics? Right. Well, sometimes, I mean like sometimes when uh, somebody's writing, they might be strumming some chords or playing a riff and at least personally for myself, it's it's a little hard to, to write a song without having a, an idea of how the vocal melody is going to go. So normally okay. I, I'll junk all that, but some people um, are able to actually like hear a melody in their head without adding like kind of a spacer mm. thing to it. Mm. Okay. Oh, I just yeah. kind of wondered what your, what your writing style was because it, it kind of intrigues me that, you know, everybody's different with, with how they write. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I, um, I just really, I, mo all the songs I pretty much just write in my bedroom, like alone in the morning and in the dark <laughs> in my underwear. <laughs> uh, I need like a lot of time to like get in the zone and I need a big block of time. Like if I only had like 20 minute increments, I couldn't do it. I need like hours, like whole days to just like sit there and marinate on it. 
and like after like hour two then i really feel like all right i feel like i know know who this guy is and and one important thing like to me with songwriting is like i don't feel like the songwriter i think it's more just like the song is it's already there it's already written i'm just sort of like unearthing it like an archaeologist would and like finding it because then if you have that mindset then you don't try to like force it into a spot it doesn't want to go it's more of like just all right let's see what the character is and and who this song wants to be does uh does sam ever contribute to to the songwriting or any full song ideas or no it's been all tony so far i think sam does write songs um I, we haven't really like we have written songs together we just don't um we, like logistically it's tough to like get everybody together and and flesh them out i mean i'm sure you know like being in a band and scheduling it's tough to get people together and then let alone try to be creative together and agree on everything and someone's got to steer the ship and it's just easier it's just worked better for now to like do it myself but no i'm definitely not opposed to any of that stuff and we have like we have written some stuff together we have like mm-hmm. a bunch of side projects where we're like building up a bunch of songs and, and to like you when you come to me and the the band with the idea and present it it usually kind of it takes form over that time when we're working on it too for like the album or the live show and mm-hmm. yeah things change live a lot we've got a, another question here this comes from dj bear who hosts amped up on code zero radio every tuesday night have you guys always been a three-piece band and if you were to add a fourth member what instrument would you add uh, no, we have not always been. We have had four people um, here and there. We kind of just like cycle people in and out. Just like, like I was saying before with the scheduling, it's tough when you're an adult and a musician because like mm-hmm. musicians don't uh, always get paid enough to like quit their day job and dedicate time to just playing. But yeah, no, we've had um, our friend Caden and I mean, I don't know, I'm going to forget people, but Logan and Isaac were with us like most of the time they play in a band the present age around here that was probably the biggest run with like the static members like that as a four piece but yeah we have definitely um yeah that was fun and Logan um the fourth guy was on like guitar and keyboard and sang and things like that so um and having those elements really filled out the live show too which was a lot of fun and we have that um coming again we kind of have been a three-piece for a while just to make it simple but we have some more we're working to get like the fourth guy in because i think it's nice it's nice to have like the fourth guy well thanks for the question jerry yeah and that sets this up nicely this is a segment in the show called band reaction where we play a clip from a previous band that's been on and then we get your reaction to it and it fits so well with Jerry's question because we're going way back, like two and a half years to when um, the present age was on the show. Okay. So I, uh, we'll play the clip and then we'll get your reaction. Okay. Band reaction. What's <laughs> that, Logan? Band reaction. The scene is thriving in Oshkosh, isn't it? It is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long it's necessarily been going because we only have been there for five years, maybe a bit more. 
because um, we studied there at the university, have been kind of bumming around, living in different like rental houses, um, always houses, no apartments, because they don't like drum sets. <laughs> but um, yeah, just True. in the couple of years we've been there, there's been so many new bands popping up. There's a lot of older bands I never knew were there, but like uh, people who've been playing for decades are like still there supporting new music. There's a whole culture that um, I think a lot of people don't realize is actually there, and it's a lot more vibrant than um, anyone really thinks. You know, we know Appleton. We know, um, I'm sure Madison and Milwaukee have pretty good scenes, even though they might be a bit more disjointed because they're so large. But Oshkosh is a surprising underdog, and I think there's going to be a lot more to see coming up in the coming years, for sure. The DIY scene is really, like, that kind of made us step back. Because we weren't even that much a part of it, even though we should have, um, for few different reasons but like um just seeing how there are a lot of bands who are just going out and doing it and that's something that isaac and i were always like we're just really anxious second guessing people so we're always like you know it, the, re the real reason it takes us so long for records is like either moving parts like members changing or honest it's just insecurity <laughs> and so it's it's a weird thing to to work through and then but then we see these younger bands some bands younger than us just crushing it because they're just going out and playing even if it's just for their friends they'll just find a space and make it happen it's like oh my gosh like that's they're totally doing what we should be doing they're actually they're they're just throwing themselves into the music which is fantastic all right what's your reaction <laughs> they're a bunch of goobers <laughs> <laughs> they are right about the diy scene i think oshkosh is uh has a super cool like underground music scene and a lot of like basement shows and garage shows and house shows going on and our buddy um we had a buddy um who we worked with um Abe he had a house on I think like Wisconsin Street or something in Oshkosh and a lot of weekends there'd be um three four bands playing on a Saturday night there and just like opening up the scene to um a bunch of different styles of music and he'd have like DJs and punk bands and metal bands and mm -hmm. bands like us and uh, just a really cool uh, vibe, you know, kind of uh, bringing everyone together and letting everyone experience music they normally wouldn't hear like all in one night. So. Yeah, like to what Isaac was saying, you kind of have to like go underground sometimes and play like these weird basement shows and these house shows because the venues, um, they want like... Um, I mean, not to say that cover bands aren't wonderful, but if you're an original band, it's hard to get into some of those bars. And Oshkosh is is a little strange for trying to get shows because some of the places have like half a sound system and like sometimes they book shows and the guy who's booking it always changes and it's a little it's a little funky sometimes. But yeah, no, I, I agree with what, what he's saying. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for that. <laughs> segment band reaction it's there weird to hear them in my ears yeah <laughs> so when you when you're playing with those guys for a while like kind of jerry mentioned the four piece so you had the dynamic of two guitars uh, when you're writing your songs are you writing them with kind of in in your mind these will be played as a three piece once mm -hmm. we're doing the shows mm -hmm. um yeah yeah i have it like i have like all of it in mind like three piece four piece and like what the fourth guy would play if we had the fourth guy that's def that's a good question because it's tough to balance like we like to play as a three-piece because it's so nice and simple and you just don't have to think about it a lot you just throw your instruments up and start playing but with the four-piece you really have to sit down and dial in the mid-range especially like what you're saying with two guitar players because a keyboard and a guitar and another guitar can really fight for space in the mix 
so that it takes time to do and figure out like all right when are we in and when is one guitar gonna sit out or just like play chords or how are we gonna work this but yeah it takes some doing well the uh the second album the the diamond engine that one you actually went and recorded it at Honeytone Studios mm-hmm. in Nina. So was the experience easier at a studio or were you kind of experiencing a little bit of like, did you still have control or were you still kind of trying to maybe take a more hands-off approach during this album? Um, Honeytone was great. And Patrick and Marty and Jeff, Jeff, Jeff wasn't there when we were there, but they're all like the sweetest, most patient dudes and they're really talented very welcoming and yeah made us feel right at home very fun warm environment it's like a museum in there um with like all the instruments they have um it it was um we knew it was going to be different for us because we had recorded the first album and we had never been to a studio to record with uh horace green so we already knew it was going to be weird and that's kind of why we did it to learn sort of what it would be like to be in a studio and just to have that experience um yeah we it was there was less control and more of a time strain, which is the main reason why we are doing it ourselves again this time. Because, like, Patrick and Marty are, like, really good at dialing in sounds quickly. and But no matter how good you are at that, you can't hear what's in someone else's head. And I'm, like, really anal about every little thing. And I felt like I wasn't too anal with them. I was a little bit of a prima donna, but we still are friends, so I think it wasn't too bad. Um, but, but I want to be a prima donna, so doing it ourselves lets me do that. And then I can like obsess about, oh, the 6,000 isn't good on this snare drum, or like this vocal is like 0.1 decibel, like too low, and like stuff like that, that like it would be really annoying for an engineer to have to deal with like i'm just sort of doing it as a favor to the studio community i'll get out of your way <laughs> i'll just do it we'll just do it ourselves just really take time with the project and make sure every little thing is right yeah yeah did did you take advantage of any of that vintage gear that they had at oh, the studio oh, yeah definitely <laughs> we drowned we were drowning in it <laughs> it was awesome the Rickenbacker bass. If you haven't been to Honeytone, Honeytone, and you're looking for a studio, like go to Honeytone because yeah, it's great. amazing. So uh, the Midnight Fuse, that was you guys had one under your belt already when that one came out. So did did you do anything differently as far as how you promoted it or how you did shows on it? Like, what did you do differently the second time that you didn't do during the the first album? As far as like promotion wise, we put together like a whole um whole release show and everything and really made sure we um we were like shooting it out to radio stations and online podcasts and things like that. And um we had the Algoma Club in Oshkosh and um we made flyers and like put them up all over town and like blasted it out everywhere and um ended up being probably one of the best shows we've just yeah. like the most fun and all our friends and family and stuff were there and uh, just a ton of fun. It was a big, like, we spent six months trying to market the whole thing with, like, the singles and the music video and the flyers and the Facebook ads and the, everything we could think of. And it was, like, it, it was uh, too much to, like, do. Like, I lost weight during the process <laughs> trying, to, trying to organize the whole night. And then when we finally got there, like, the minutes before we were supposed to play... 
Like those are the shows I'm nervous for. Not because of the people there, but because of like just everything that went into it and like all the planning and the cooperation. And then it's like, okay, comes down to this moment where we have to take the stage and it's the album release party. But yeah, we did a lot of promotion for that one that we never did before. We didn't do any promotion for, no, for the first we, album. We played at Reptile Palace and like yeah, that was the, the album release show. And, uh, <laughs> and it was raining. Yeah. There were like 20 people there. Right. So, and uh, with, the, with the Diamond Engine, the CDs didn't get there until the day of the show, too. So it was like... We like to do that. Make it <laughs> 4 p.m. You know, we like to sweat a little bit. So, <laughs> so did you notice any change on... Uh, Return on investment from doing it yes, that, that way? definitely. Of course. Yeah, there were like 300 people at this place. And I think a lot of it was just because of the hype that we generated with the six months of grinding out the promo. And then afterwards, too, um, it was nice. Uh, we just, yeah, no, it was great. It was good. Mm -hmm. Definitely paid off. Do you have any advice for any up-and-coming bands that might be releasing their first album some sort of don't make these mistake type type of uh statements hmm probably <laughs> <laughs> um my advice would be like just do as much as you can and make some mistakes because i could tell you like what we did wrong but i think sometimes it takes your own self to do it wrong before you're like oh okay that's even if you're if you, even if you're told not to do something you might not it might not click until you do it and then you're like oh that's what they're talking about so like my advice would just be like go do as many things as you yeah. can get it out to as many just get it in as many ears as possible as far as promotion goes like nothing is too weird yeah like you know hire the fire department to <laughs> put the trampoline in front of a building and yeah. jump off the building and fly banners and do it all right in the do sky everything and, yeah when uh when we had the present age on years ago that was right before racket fest the last racket fest oh yeah gosh gosh and yeah. there were a lot during that specific racket fest there was a lot of bands that hadn't played together for 20 years yeah uh, did you like as far as like being in the Oshkosh scene, was there any bands bef before you really got a band together that you looked up to or that yes, you went to definitely. maybe mentored you or anything? Yeah, definitely. I think about it that all the time when people ask us like who our favorite bands are, like when we were coming up, like those, that was like one of the reasons why I wanted to be in a band was because I could like go out and see like the Traveling Suitcase and the Sleepwalkers and the Midwestern Charm and like Bronze Sage. Those are the guys that were like around the Oshkosh area like those guys were my heroes mm -hmm. like because they were real and they were like right in front of me and I would like I was not old enough to be in the reptile palace but I would go in there because they're pretty chill there and I wasn't drinking so don't <laughs> arrest me but I would go see them and it was just like ah, you know like one of those uh, form formidable is that what they call it forming sounds right yeah sure <laughs> one of those words one of them <laughs> and Sam, were you sort of the same? You yeah. you're checking out the same bands at the mm -hmm. time? Yeah, I think um Tony and I were hanging out a lot during that time too and we'd uh we were listening to a lot of the same music and stuff mm -hmm. and Corey Chisel. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that the scenes were different in Appleton and Oshkosh? Is it like two different worlds or is the scene more sort of intertwined than 
than you some mean people say. Back then or right now? Both. Actually, it'd be interesting to hear what you think of back then to now. I say back then. Well, the scenes are different in general in both cities, especially in Oshkosh. Um, as far as like how they compared between Appleton and Oshkosh, I don't know back then that I really knew a lot of what was going on in Appleton, but it seemed more like folk stuff, with especially with Milo music and. Oshkosh seemed a little more like indie rocky to me. That was just my like dumb a little more of the teenager DIY. brain. Um, now though, I would say it's a lot different now. Um, I feel like the valley as a whole kind of blends all together. So like um, Appleton, Oshkosh, Nina, and it's kind of just one big city at this point. I feel like, mm-hmm. and I've been here my whole life, so I. I'm a little biased to that, but um, especially with like Mile of Music, I feel like Appleton has really made a name for itself over the past five years when it's been getting more popular and people come from all around to the Fox Valley specifically for the shows and things now, so it's cool. Yeah, it's, it seems like there's less bands in general. Maybe I'm just looking in the wrong places, but in Oshkosh especially, like I just don't, I can't think of like, we have Shuby, they practice next door to us. But, like, that's, I, I just can't think of it. I mean, I know some that are, like, they pop in and out, but they're not, like, together long enough to, like, be in my head. But I just feel like back then we had, like, a lot of established bands that I just can't think of right now. That's a, another good question to pose to you. A lot of bands do break up and they don't go the distance. Do you guys think Horace Green will be around 20 years from now? Yes. Yes. Right. Well, we've got a, a record of it now. We, <laughs> yes, we've had a we got a comment from Jerry Laundry. Uh, thanks for checking out the show today. He said that you guys are played on WAPL's Homebrewed a minute ago. So, nice. That's good news. Is it firing on all cylinders? <laughs> <laughs> Saturday morning, right? Now. <laughs> uh, the the videos are cool. You guys have done some cool videos. Uh, one specifically for Fevers, like oh, yeah, the karate. Like, where did that whole premises come from to do that in a, a karate studio and who are the the other people in the the video um the idea um i think i, I might have had the idea for the karate thing i kind of have these fantasies about all the videos that none of them ever happen but they're usually too ambitious but the karate one was just like supposed to be like a love story involving like karate and our friend Tyler, who's the mullet yeah. guy in the video. He's amazing. Uh, he's a he's a fantastic video. actor and just was like was that a real mullet? Yes, one hundred percent. He was like so fun to just be around, yeah. and he did so he he did so good on the video. He really tied it all together. Uh, our friend Casey shot that video, and our I don't know how we got the space. We were we looking for, for a it. karate studio, and then it was um, Blankfield Body Fit. Blankfield Body Fit. Yeah, we came up with a jingle. Blankfield <laughs> Body Fit. Blankfield Body Fit. Da, 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 da. We never, we never sent it to them, yeah. but maybe someday. <laughs> yeah. Did it, did the shoot take a while? Was that a, a day long thing, or was that multiple days? It was spread out over your memory. Two sure. days. <laughs> we did a couple days for sure. Um, yeah, kind of got everything set up and things first day, shot most of it, and then 
did a couple like finishing up scenes and stuff like that. Um, might have been over a weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, couple day operation. Yeah, it was fun. And you guys have a lot of other great videos. If people want to check them out, you just search for Horace Green yeah. on YouTube. You'll find them. But you guys have recently, you recently had a, a big shoot in, in Oshkosh. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what we can expect and when we can expect to, to see it? Yeah, um, that was a really wild experience for us because it snowballed in a way that you can't plan for. Uh, and it just became this monster in a good way of like, just, it's hard to explain. Um, but it's like a bunch of super talented minds coming together and like very creative people and, um, just made it a lot of fun to, um, like everyone came together and really like pulled through and it started like our friend Max Hauser has just, uh, I don't remember how we met Max, but since we met him he's just sort of like helped us with videos here and there and he shot our live sessions that we did at the algoma club they're on the internet and um he's just a really cool dude and he's about like the art Mm -hmm. and he doesn't mind getting paid not a lot which is great for us (laughs) so we can't pay him a lot and we wish we could because max you're amazing yes and you totally deserve more he Um, definitely goes the distance and he pulls all the favors he can and like just to get stuff working for us. And that's what he did for the live sessions. But for the nighttime boy music video, which is the one that we're talking about, um, it was just like, he just like sold his soul to everybody he knew and to the entire project to make it work. And like the favors he called in were nuts. And this guy came up from Chicago with his team and they brought like this U-Haul full of stuff it's like and a forty foot, like blue screen kind of <laughs> it was thing. Massive. It was like, crazy, and the Howard just let us in. And yeah, we, the Howard is gorgeous. Was... Max and I like sweet talk the lady to be like, yeah. So we really just want to, you know, money's a little tight, but uh, if you could just, it'd be cool if you just let us in there and we could do the thing. We'll be out of your hair, quick. And they were so nice about everything, and they were really nice. Yeah, I'm wearing, I think I'm wearing their shirt. They gave us this shirt. They were excited that we did the video there, and I was like, "You're you're thanking us? Like, <laughs> this is amazing." Well, the, the pictures you posted, you, you posted some pictures from the shoot, and it does look amazing. I mean, you've got like, it is like a little studio built up in the the mm-hmm. middle, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it just it, I think that kind of thing is it gets people wanting to see what it is. I know I've, since I've seen those pictures, I really want to see the video. I want to see it too, man. Yeah. Is it being worked on like edited right now or what's, uh, I think so. I'm not sure because we're, we're a ways out from actually releasing it and the song, but uh, yeah, I think, uh, Max is working on it still. Well, we could talk for like hours just on the video. It just became such a crazy project. And like, I gotta, I gotta talk about Jocelyn because she was the dancer. She was like, she's the nighttime boy in the video. And then um, Jolie was there. She made the masks for it, which is crazy to see in real life because, like, I have these, like, scenes, like, in my head before anything happens. And then when we talk to people and try to be like, so this is what we're looking for, it's always like, do they actually know what we're looking for? And, like, is it, are we going to be able to relay it right? But Jolie did, like, fantastic, and the, max is, and the mask is just, like, exactly what was in my brain and it's crazy to see and mm-hmm. to see it all come together is nuts 
Do you feel like you might be upping the bar quite a bit to where the bar is way to- too high? <laughs> it's all downhill yeah. from here. Yeah, it was definitely the most, uh, the craziest thing we've done video wise. It's the craziest thing we've done. Yeah. So That's- no firm date on when this will be released. No, I, we're hoping for like July. Kind of depends on the the album recording and, and all that, but we're hoping for July. You guys have done some pretty cool things too. You released an album live at the Algoma Club. Yeah, that and, that was the other one. Yeah, and that uh, you see the Algoma Club was somewhere you guys have played quite often as well. Mm-hmm. Did, did you guys play there during Racket Fest? I believe that was. Mm-hmm. Yep. That and was... where did the the live album, which show did that come from? The live album was that video series I was talking about before that Max did with us. And we did like the video and then Steve Wiegert. You probably know Steve. Maybe. He's like an Appleton sound guy. He does a lot of stuff oh. around here. I'm sure you've seen him. Um, he's a really cool guy. And he did the, he just set up some mics and gave us like the recordings after the video. And then I just mixed them into a thing and we sent it to Justin Perkins. And that was it. That, that's all that was. The sound must have been really good where you were able to just send it over and have it, you know. It was, I yeah, I mean, I fiddled with it in the mix. Um, live stuff's kind of tricky to to make it all blend together nicely, especially with, like, we had the four-piece for that. Uh, Logan and Isaac were with us on that one. And one of the mics on the overhead drums was not working. And it was, like, well, it, it was working, but it was, it was like, like... against a cymbal stand. So it was just getting the wash of the Yeah, it was like every time like Isaac would hit the cymbal, the, the microphone would go... <laughs> so I like had to figure out how to edit all that out of it or like just mix it super low. But yeah, no, that's that's what that was. Topic of the day, uh, the exclusive company closing. Yeah. Oh, what are your so thoughts sad. on the exclusive company? It's sad, man. I've been there a lot. And mm-hmm. They've been really supportive of us too and of the local bands. Yeah. Our Oshkosh one has for sure. So sad to see it go. And I remember when we lived um, in the dorms at UW Oshkosh, we'd go um, to record store day at like six thirty in the morning and yeah. walk down the street and get in line and wait for whatever releases were coming out. And just a lot of good memories there. And they had us play there a couple times, I think, too. For the yeah, they did like the live in-store things after a while for record store day. I think we did a couple of those. Yeah, it's sad, man. It's very sad. How do you feel like as far as exclusive company was pretty supportive to the local community, selling vinyl and CDs? Do you guys feel that that CDs are sort of even worth the time anymore? You know, since we've got digital stuff, mm-hmm. do you feel there's still a value there in, in printing CDs? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, there's value to the consumer in that they get a collectible which in the digital age is becoming more valuable i think that's why the vinyl is so big again Mm -hmm. because it's a thing you know we're humans we like we like to touch we like to collect things like to smell you can't touch or smell a spotify song and i think that's just I, i think collectibles even outside of the actual audio uh, in the t- in in merch form, I mean, is going to be more and more popular. Just like unique collectible stuff. I like uh, looking through the booklets and seeing all the pictures and um, the band B roll and mm-hmm. the liner notes and the lyrics and 
Yeah, it's another like little experience yeah, too. It's an interactive type of uh, experience. I'd like to also ask you guys about Rock Art Live. How was your experience on on the Rock Art Live show? That was fun. That's fun. Yeah, that's cool. Any butterflies before before you were set on Rock Art Live? Definitely. Mm, I don't think I had any. I was really goofy that day. <laughs> were you happy with how it turned out? Um, I'm never happy <laughs> with it. Not on Mark's end, though. Mark's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it turned out fine. I mean, it's cool. He did great mixing it, and I'm sure he like made us sound better than we are. But it was really fun. Yeah, yeah. good experience. I was on the floor doing a solo for way too long. <laughs> it was it was in the moment. I didn't know which song we were gonna do the video for, but no, it was fun. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. Were there any goofs or like redos or anything that didn't make it to the the final aired footage the bass amp actually blew out on one of the songs um he had this <laughs> giant like the fridge yeah he had a big like that old ampeg i think so yeah, yeah. and uh <laughs> i don't know if it was the head or the cab but the speaker blew and all of a sudden there was no sound and luckily we just kept rolling through it but uh they had to bring out a whole new amp for me and everything and not sure if that made it onto the show or not, but I don't know. Probably cut it out, but uh, we didn't redo anything. I don't remember mm-hmm. doing anything like that. You guys have a, a show coming up tonight at the yeah. Appleton Beer Factory. Yeah. Have you guys played at the Appleton Beer Factory before? Oh yeah, we have. Well, today's show it's with the Minx, uh-huh. which the show starts at seven. Is there anything that they want to let our listeners know about the show? Or yeah, I just want them to know it's gonna be a ripper yeah <laughs> calm down have fun great beer yeah, great bands. It'll be fun. <laughs> you guys had other shows in march too i had them all written down here play kakana sheboygan you've got a show coming up in eau claire on april 30th mm-hmm. how far out do you book and are you a little cautious to book too far out at this point um pretty much whatever comes our way we'll put in our calendar where there's no like hard cut off like we like to plan things as far out as we can to like uh if we're doing like a little like weekend run or something like that and just to make sure we've got everything um ironed out all the details and stuff but um i think justin booked us for racket fest like one of the first years like 14 months in advance yeah. <laughs> and we were like it just wants to make sure are we gonna be together yeah. are we gonna be a band like we we it knew was, we were uh, gonna be but it was a little weird um, during COVID, like once everything started opening back up again, because we had a bunch of shows, as everyone did, get canceled. And um, so it was like, are we putting these together just to have them get canceled again? But uh, it seems like everything's kind of leveling out now. So mm-hmm. there's really no hard cutoff. So what can people expect when they go to a Horace Green show? A lot of uh, laying on the floor. And, uh, <laughs> Crying. <laughs> Weeping, tears of joy. <laughs> um, expect. <laughs> yeah. Just expect it, man. We like to surprise expect ourselves. Expect to be so. there and expect to spend some money. <laughs> <laughs> You'll Just use kidding. your ears and. You don't have to spend money. So is, is Mitch still drumming for you guys? Mitch is not drumming for us. Okay. So you've. you. When did you get the, the new drummer? Stinny. Stinny. Stinny, um, bef- right before COVID. It was actually kind of bad because... Yeah, I think we played, um, it was like, what, 
like two shows with him we played like january february march with him and there was we weren't really doing much at the time we were between um the old guys leaving and him coming in so we hadn't booked much and then um yeah i think we played like two or three shows and everything hit and shut down so yeah it's not a good introduction not a great way <laughs> to him. develop a relationship but he's great we love him and he's amazing yeah so was he somebody that was playing in bands prior that you guys knew yeah taylor greenwood taylor set us up with him mm-hmm. he he's knew, uh, he knew him. big in the jazz scene too so he does all he knows everyone and it's running around everywhere and Talk about big hearts. Taylor Greenwood has one. Yes, yes, and sir. I could, I could look at that smile all day. Love that boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that uh, brings us to the end of the show, you guys. Okay. That went pretty fast, but it was fast. I would love to have you guys back when the the new album comes out. And you said you haven't started recording it yet. Yeah. Or you have started recording it. It's, it's like one percent recorded. It's, it's going to be a full <laughs> album or an EP? Singles? Full album. It's eleven songs. Yeah. So there will be singles, um, hopefully, yeah. within the season. Is it going to be kind of the same style of the horse green that we've heard on the, the first releases? Or are you guys going to all of a sudden veer left and take a <laughs> different a different sound? Like I know the present age kind of did that recently. Okay, yeah, same uh, core kind of. <laughs> the heart is there. It's horse then, green. Yeah, it's horse green. But it's we're. Taurus Green in a different dimension. We got hands in different... We have like a eight-minute disco uh, funk odyssey yeah. called Cream. That one's going to be a little bit of a experience, I think. <laughs> it's a little more dancey, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, disco. I like it. I'm excited for it. There's a really weird song on it, too. <laughs> the Electric Slab. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets it gets a little weird. It's fun. I think it'll be good. It's fun. It's good. All right. And last question: Any bands that people should check out that are on your radar that are up and coming? Oh man, I actually have a um, a Spotify playlist of all these just Wisconsin original bands, and I try to update it a lot. And there's a lot of really good bands on there. I'm terrible at like thinking of names on the spot, but there's like hundreds of bands in there that are doing stuff right now. Floral Friday is a cool band. Oh yeah, they play in Floral the Friday. Our buds. <laughs> they're from Oshkosh. I think they were originally from Green Bay, and now they're based in the Valley. I think Nina, but um, yeah, they're cool. Our friend Kala's always doing cool stuff. Yeah. He's from Milwaukee. There's definitely people who are probably mad that we're not shouting them out. <laughs> There's so many friends and talented musicians. And Red Hawks. <laughs> Red Hawks. Red Hawks. Well, Tony, Sam, thank you so much for joining me on Fox City's Core this morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah, man. Thank you. Love love the music. Can't wait to see the music video. Can't wait for the next album. And you're welcome back. Anytime you want to come by and plug something, just let us know. Yeah. Cool, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You've been watching Fox City's Core on WCZR Code Zero Radio.